Hello, you are listening to Getting After Lefty, starring Gary Gatehouse, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We have good questions on the show, like... Uh, Mr. Obama, sir, I have a, just a quick question, if I can. Um, I was wondering, you know, just uh, where... Uh, where the hell is your birth certificate? Ah, uh, here it is, Monday again. My God, that weekend flew by... In uh, warp speed, didn't it? Wow! You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Monday edition, Blue Monday, getting after Lefty. I hope you all had a great weekend. Man, I did. I enjoyed the hell out of staining the rest of my deck and doing a whole damn bunch of honeydews. I hate honeydews. You know, Patriots, I'm not going to be boring you today with sound clips and sound bites and all that crap from that uh, rumble in the jungle uh, Saturday night, Saturday night fights, or I guess a Saturday night debate. I'm not going to bore you like, I mean, Fox News and CBS and NBC and CNN, they all, they make their revenue off of these debates. That's all it is. It's revenue generated. They are zeroed in on getting these Republicans all riled up and getting these little 15, 20, 30 second sound bites so they can bring their analyst in and analyze every damn word, every freaking syllable, every finger point, every arm raised, and they can go to town and they can generate all these sound bites, video sound bites, uh, track visitors and attract viewers, and then they can bring all that revenue in from all their corporate sponsors. That's all the hell these debates are. And they wore me out. I'm tired of them. I'm tired of watching them. It's the same damn questions and the same damn answers regurgitated every freaking time. Since when do we have to have 10, 15, 20 debates? It's stupid. It's it's crazy. I know a lot of you people out there. I've talked to a lot of folks in my area and they said, "You know, I know already already know who I'm going to vote for. I do not have to listen to the same questions, same wording, same crap over and over again." Now, I know you folks, and wherever you live in the United States, being this is an election year, you're getting bombarded with all kinds of polls and questions and flyers and every damn thing else stuffed in your mailbox, in your email box, whatever, and I'm tired. I'm burnt out on it. I've had it. I've had it. But, you know, if you look at Saturday's debate and you look at how the... the uh, Oh, the people up there on the stage were positioned, how they were set up, and how the commentator, the the guy asking the questions at CBS, how he went about asking the questions, those were directed questions at certain individuals to get certain individuals going at each other's throat. That's all it was. That's all it was. But you know what? I sat there and laughed because there was one individual up there that played the audience and played the CBS question asker or commentator. He played him like a fiddle. And that was Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump sat up there 
And he knew everybody was going to be coming after his ass. He knew it. And he used it to his advantage. He's shown just how wussified and how sissified Jeb Bush is. I'm sick and tired of you talking about my family. I'm bringing my big brother in. He's going to take care of you while I hide behind mommy's skirts. And Trump played him to a T. He got them all going. You know, it was like you bring, everybody brings a dog out on the street, and one guy says, Look, I got a big ass dog here. Watch this, bud. I'm going to have that dog get a dog fight started, and he's going to kick out all these dogs' asses. And bingo! He sticks that dog in there with the rest of them dogs, and before you know it, they're all going at it, and that big old dog's just knocking the crap out of all of them. That's what happened Saturday night. Now, a lot of you folks out there, all you lemmings, that march to the tune of inside the Beltway DC politics. All of you Republicans, you so-called damn moderates, and you people that sit on the fence and wet your damn political finger to see which way the political wind's blowing. You folks are are a lost cause. You call yourself moderates. Just what the hell is a moderate? Would somebody tell me that? What is a moderate? I'll hear all kinds of crap. I'll get all kinds of emails. And well, Gary, this is what a moderate is. This is what a moderate stand. A moderate don't stand for a damn thing. It's whichever way the wind fly, uh, political wind is blowing. That's what a moderate will be standing for that day. Now, uh, during that debate, Donald Trump said, politicians are all talk and no action. He went on to say, I'm different because I'm not controlled by special interests and lobby groups. Then he said, and you American people out there that are without jobs or underpaid jobs or people who still want to work and can't find a job, Donald Trump said this, all Americans should be listening to this. I'm working for you, i.e. the American people, and I am not working for anybody else. That was part of his statement. Did you catch it? I am working for you, and I am not working for anybody else. Here's a billionaire up there standing up there saying, I'm going to work for you, America, and nobody else. Nobody else meaning the Republican Party, the Democrat Party, the mainstream media, the political elite, the corporate uh, people, the lobbyists. No, he's going to be working for you and I and the American people, Mr. and Mrs. Joe Sixpack. Did you get that, America? I don't think you do. I don't think you do. Now, we talk about Donald Trump flip-flopping all the time. I don't, but a lot of people do. Well, he was a Democrat, then he's a Republican. He was for this and he went for that. And he did this and he did that. I urge you to go to the following link. Gary Gatehouse, that's one word, Gary Gatehouse dot W-I-X dot com slash Gary Gatehouse. Once you're there, click on the word more up in the lower, up, up in the upper left-hand corner. Click on the word more, M-O-R-E. It's a button. Then click on video and watch the video. It's a video from the 1988 Republican uh, Convention when Mr. Trump is being interviewed by Larry King. Watch it. 
and listen to what Mr. Trump said back in 1988 at the Republican convention. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's amazing. It really is amazing how many people who claim to be all-knowing, all-well, uh, thought-out uh, analysts and all this stuff, how they are looking at the whole situation and they think they got it all figured out and that these people are Republicans who stand in line and vote every damn two years, every four years. They vote for their favorite Republican and that some of them vote for the same favorite Republican and put his or her ass back in office 10, 15, 20, 30 years. That's not thinking about a, uh, a person running for office. That's just the do- going through the motions of doing your duty as an American citizen and voting. That's all it is. You're not paying any more attention than that. Now, I've seen comments up on Facebook by so-called individuals that run these big-time, big-time radio stations, and they know it all. they got all these damn radio stations all over the freaking place that carry their shows and they're up there saying you know Donald Trump he's not the real deal now these Republicans Kasich and Rubio and Cruz now they're the real guys and Bush they're the real guys all I can say to you talking heads that go online saying that you're full of crap you must be a moderate These guys are inside the beltway political cartel elitist. Bush, Kasich, Rubio, Cruz. Like I said the other day, when it comes to the two senators, you can take those two senators out of Washington, D.C., but you cannot take Washington, D.C. out of those two senators. And that was pretty evident Saturday night. Up there using their tactics, the same tactics they use in the well when you're arguing for some damn bill or something. Same damn tactics that all senators and House of Representatives people use. And we went through that whole scenario last week. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, the good old boys and the good old girls, they're down to dumbfounded. And they can't figure out why America is supporting Donald Trump. They just can't figure it out. They know they can't control him. They know they have no dog in the fight with Donald Trump because Donald Trump is his own man. He, he uh, pays for what he does. He pays for his campaign. There's no lobbyists, no damn corporations that are putting their money into Donald Trump's pocket and saying, oh, by the way, here's some money to help you through your campaign. But, oh, by the way, I don't want you to say this. I don't want you to say that. We would rather you have back this deal and do that and say this. No, Donald Trump says, no, uh-uh. I'll pay for it myself. And the only people I have to answer to is the American people. Nobody else. But most Americans out there, Republicans, not most, but some, just don't get that. They just don't get it. They think all power comes from inside the beltway. They are the all-knowing, all-seeing, all-understanding people. Your Jeb Bushes, your uh, Rubios, your Cruises, your Kasichs, 
Ladies and gentlemen, anybody with the word politician in front of their name is not to be trusted today. I don't give a damn who they are. You look at the mess these people have got us, the American people, in over the last 50, 60, 70 years. It is a mess that they have continued to shovel dirt on and try to hide it, but we have now woken up and understand what the hell they've been doing to us. Some of the biggest Republican donors who collectively have con- con- uh, gave away tens of millions of dollars to shape the presidential race are tightening their purse strings out of frustration, ladies and gentlemen, with their inability to boost their favorite candidates over or, or to slow down uh, Mr. Trump. They just don't know what to do. They're beside themselves. But you know, rather than continuing to write huge campaign checks to support the cluster of establishment candidates jockeying to emerge as a leading alternative to Trump, there's a billionaire real estate showman roundly despised, and that be Donald Trump. A billionaire real estate showman, and he is roundly despised by the grand old party, the GOP, GOP grand old progressives, elite. That's what they are. And these donors have mostly retreated to the sidelines. They are watching anxiously, hoping that the field sorts itself out according to interviews with a half dozen major donors or their representatives. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. They do not know where to go, what to stand on, who to give the money to, Many of these donors are urging the deep-pocketed groups they've already funded to begin spending against Trump, even as some recognize the potential for such spending to backfire and are increasingly questioning the efficiency of big-money advertising campaigns more generally. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Big-money advertising campaigns. The media convinced private corporations, and the two-party system a long time ago. you got to advertise on our on our TV stations. you got to advertise on our radio stations. Because if you don't, you ain't going to get elected. Now I want you to go out there and raise millions and millions and millions of dollars. Then I want you to give it to us. ABC, CBS, CNN, Fox. And we'll advertise your guy. And we'll get him a big old star up here in the sky. Everybody can see him. And they'll vote for him. Give us more of your money. Give us that pack money. We want that money. That's guaranteed money income over and above everything else every two years, every four years. And these corporations and the two-party system and the candidates, they bought into it a long time ago. A long time ago. I mean, it's a, it's a, 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 unbelievable. Jeb Bush spent $42 million in New Hampshire. $42 million, not of his money. Corporation money, PAC money, other people's donated money, but not Jeb Bush's money. He spent $42 million in New Hampshire, and what the hell did he get for it? He didn't get anything for it. It's frustrating, right? To Jeb Bush and all his little political cartels and all his political uh, activists and pack uh, people and people fall on their sword for him. 
there's a guy out there, a guy named Stan Hubbard, a Minnesota media mongo, and he said it's frustrating. Now, his family initially supported Scott Walker, now aborted campaign a long time ago for the GOP nomination, donating more than $105,000 to the various committees supporting the Wisconsin governor. He was seen as a leading contender to unite the party's conservative and business-centrist factions, but he never caught on, despite $24 million spent in super PAC money. $24 million was spent trying to get Walker up there. Nobody wanted him. That never caught on. So all these people are supporting uh, Scott Walker. They had to go find somebody else. After Walker dropped out, these guys, these uh, Mongols up in uh, uh, Minnesota, the, the Hubbards, they had to go find somebody else. So what they do? They looked around. And they started dumping money into committee, committees supporting Bush, Marco Rubio, Ben Carson, as well as the since-aborted campaigns of Carly Farina and Chris Christie. That's money down the drain, Hubbard told uh, a news media, adding that his latest hope to take Trump down is John Kasich. Hubbard and his wife each gave the maximum $2,700 contribution to the Ohio governor campaign for the nomination after he came in second in Tuesday's New Hampshire primary, while Kasich finished well behind Trump. The showing was enough to attract interest from a handful of mega-donors who have previously supported other GOP candidates. What's that tell you, ladies and gentlemen? Think about it. Business people, the elitists inside the Beltway, they do not want Trump. Because the business people know that their millions that they got carrying around in their pockets to get favor from the president just ain't going to cut it. And the elitists inside the beltway that think they can support and get support and all that from a candidate if they put it in the White House and they can control, which they do, they can't do that with Trump. And they're scared to death. They're scared to death. The American people know this. Why do you think they're standing behind Trump? It's time that the elitists inside the Washington Beltway, it's time that all these big corporation boggles get their crap thrown in the street. It's time they be taken down a few notches. And Trump's the man to do it, by God. Trump is the man of the day, of the hour, of the week, of the month, of the year, of the decade. He is the man to take their asses to the cleaners. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Monday edition, getting after Lefty on Dogs of War Radio, United Kingdom. We'll be back after a few short messages. It's important that we take time to remind ourselves that household products essential to our daily routines if misused, can be deadly. While the rates of inhalant use are on a downward trend, we must remain steadfast in our public education efforts and continue to talk to our young children about the consequences of decisions they may make relative to the use of inhalants. At SAMHSA, we are releasing a new report that reveals that the use of inhalants among adolescents is declining. In 2007, 3.9% of adolescents used inhalants, down from rates of between 4.4 and 4.6% from 2002 to 2006. This is an encouraging trend. 
However, much remains to be done. The data show that 17.2% of adolescents who initiated illicit drug use in 2007 started with inhalants. Inhalants remain consistently one of the first choices of initial drug use. Let's be clear. The consequences of this behavior are serious and can be lethal. National Inhalants and Poison Awareness Week provides an excellent opportunity to educate ourselves, our families, and our friends. There's no doubt that we all have a role to play. I encourage all to visit www.inhalants.org for information about the National Inhalant Prevention Coalition and ways to get involved in the community effort to address this issue. Hi, I'm Jet Williams. Even though I never knew my father, Hank Williams, his legacy taught me the meaning of lending a helping hand. That's why I support the Orphan Foundation of America. OFA is committed to providing education, mentoring, and a workplace readiness for thousands of teens aging out of the foster care system. With the help of OFA's support programs, these young people can go to college and trade school, graduate, and make the leap from foster care to success. To learn how you can help, visit Orphan.org. Welcome back to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Monday edition, getting after lefty. You know, folks, the way I look at Saturday night's debate, another one's biting the dust. Not too long from now. I think it'll be old Jeb. I think people are tired of funding his lost cause. You know, folks, like I said in the monologue, the mainstream media, the political elite, they they know their little kingdoms are being threatened. And they don't they don't like it. The lemmings that follow the political cartel and continue to back those inside the beltway liars and robbers were all present at Saturday night's debate. They were all out there in the audience. CBS played the status quo in the audience like a fiddle, and Donald Trump ate the politicians up. It was laughable, ladies and gentlemen. It was laughable. Trump got everybody, like I said in the monologue, got everybody into a big old dogfight and then stirred him up to a frenzy. They all hate him. We know that. Why? Because he's not one of them. He's an outsider. He's not part of the political cartel. This hate was shown Saturday night and Trump reciprocated by getting good old Jeb's goat more than once And fun night, he had fun that night. And Trump walked away with another gotcha Republican elites stripe on his shoulder. We'll be right back after the Phyllis Schlafly Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Eagle Forum, dedicated to keeping you informed and helping win the battle against forces that would deny freedom of religion, redefine the family, and mock traditional values. Now, here's author and founder of Eagle Forum, Phyllis Schlafly. Although glaciers may be melting in Alaska and the Arctic, ice has been expanding at the other end of the planet, in Antarctica. In any case, the UN Convention on Climate Change, Executive Secretary Cristiano Figueres, recently admit that climate change is not about temperature. That's just a proxy. 
the discussion is about the decarbonization of the economy. At a previous UN meeting three years ago in Doha, Qatar, Figueres let the cat out of the bag when she revealed that the goal of the whole process is a complete transformation of the economic structure of the world. Earlier this year, she said, this is probably the most difficult task we have given ourselves, which is to intentionally transform the economic development model for the first time in human history. That kind of dictatorial attitude is why climate change fanatics are called watermelons, green on the outside, red for Marxism on the inside. The climate change movement is where many communists found a new home after the collapse of the Soviet Union. Obama knows that Congress will never approve any of the specific proposals that come out of the Paris conference, so he plans to double down on executive action by the Environmental Protection Agency and the Department of Energy. The EPA's Clean Power Plan which would basically eliminate coal-fired electric utilities and cause all Americans to pay much higher electricity bills is currently pending before the U.S. Court of Appeals in Washington, D.C. That court was stacked with four new Obama judges in the last two years. Congress still has the power of the purse and should use that power to block, delay, or defund Obama's assault on the production of the energy that powers the American way of life. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Eagle Forum. Is global warming an imaginary threat? Is it authentic science or politics? Is it about the future of humanity or about money and power? At eagleforum.org, a blog with Phyllis Schlafly delivers the latest news and opinions. Add your comments to the Climate Change blog at eagleforum.org. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Liberty Council is a litigation, education, and policy organization established to preserve and advance religious freedom, the sanctity of human life, and the family. We have offices in various places around the United States and affiliate attorneys in all 50 states, plus a major outreach in the nation of Israel. Don't get discouraged about what's happening in our country and around the world. Get encouraged. Get on your knees in prayer and get involved. Stand with us in preserving our Judeo-Christian values. Visit lc.org. Monday, the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, getting after left day. Coming to you all the way from South Texas on the GAL Network flagship station of the Getting After Lefty Show, the Billy Bob and Carl Show, the Top Secret Intelligence Report, and many other shows. Make sure you tune in to the GAL Network 24-7. Google it. Get up there and have a listen. Looks like the GOP might be getting a shaft. 
who's going to be dishing out the shaft? Donald Trump. Hey, if you support Donald Trump, go up on Twitter, look on GAL Network, that's where Gary Gatehouse lives. I made a banner up there that says, I support Donald Trump, red, white, and blue. Latch on to it, make a copy, and post it wherever you like. Folks, I don't know if you uh, caught it or not, but during the debate Saturday night, when everybody was at at each other's throats and pointing fingers and flailing around and, oh, I don't know, doing her thing. Like I said, I don't know if it was Friday, Saturday night fights or if it was a debate. But Trump handled it beautifully. He got him stirred up and he kept him stirred up. But one of the things he mentioned that none of the other political elites, none of the other politicians, minus one, Mr. Carson, none of them said a damn thing about American workers, the American family. They were up there saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and I've done this, and I've done that. Donald Trump talked about those 1,400 U.S. employees that were thrown out in the street by the carrier air conditioner plant. 1,400 of them are without jobs. Cut and dry. You're out of here. Finished. We're moving to Mexico. Now, Mr. Trump mentioned this in the debate. Did anyone else? Hell no, they didn't. They didn't say a damn word. And I have to re-emphasize this, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to keep re-emphasizing it. You have a billionaire. He don't need to do any of this. He could go back and sit in his wherever he lives and do whatever he does as a billionaire and never have to lift a finger again. But he has been out on the campaign trail And he has taken all the hits from the elites inside the Beltway, the mainstream media, including Fox. Everybody is after Mr. Donald Trump. They know that he is a ultimate threat to those little ivory towers that they've created over the decades. They know that he is a threat to them. 
He didn't have to go out there and do any of this. But he is. He's out there. And he says, I'm not going to be working for anybody else but the American people. I'm not going to be working for anybody else but the American people. He's the only one that mentioned that 1,400 United States employees, United States citizen employees of carrier air conditioning that is packed up and is heading to Mexico. He didn't, he didn't hesitate to mention what their plight was. I am the only one and I'm working for you, he said. None of the other people that are up there on that stage, all the politicians, they didn't say a damn thing about it. It went right by him. It went right by the damn guy that was asking the questions for CBS. And I imagine it flew right over the top of the heads of a lot of Americans that were tuned in. But Donald Trump said that. And like I said, he doesn't have to do any of this. And again, go up and look at that video that was conducted, the interview was conducted way back in 1998 at the Republican convention when they sit down and talk to Donald Trump. Go to Gary Gatehouse, that's all one word, Gary Gatehouse, G-A-T-E-H-O-U-S-E, Gary Gatehouse, dot Wix, W-I-X dot com, slash Gary Gatehouse. Once you get there, click on the word more up in the left-hand corner. It's a button. Click on more. Then click on video and watch this interview that was conducted way back in 1988 when they sat down at the Republican convention and interviewed Mr. Donald Trump. Make sure you watch that. 1,400 U.S. employees find their jobs are moving to Mexico. And again, Mr. Trump's the only one that mentioned this in the debate. No one else did. Now, there was an announcement at an Indianapolis workplace show. This, this, the movement, 1,400 employees were told their jobs will be eliminated as the company moves operations to Mexico across the border. All the American corporations are going south across the border, and all the third world trash is coming north across the border into our country. Seems weird, don't it? Now, plant and union workers at Carrier Air Conditioner, well, they reacted with shock and disbelief as they were informed of the company's decision. And amid angry shouts and obvious frustrations in the crowd, the company representatives tried to to deliver the news calmly. They said the best way to stay competitive and protect the businesses for long term is to move production from our facility in Indianapolis to Monterey, Mexico. That's one of the union reps saying that. And why would he say that, ladies and gentlemen? Have you ever stopped to think why he would say that? We'll get into that in a little bit. He went on to say this is an extremely difficult decision. It was made most difficult because I understand it will have an impact on all of you out there, all of your families, and the community. The transition won't begin until mid-2017 and will occur in phases over a three-year period, according to the company, which cites government regulations, government regulations as one of the main factors for forcing the move. This did little to quell the tension and emotions in the room. How long will it take before people start tearing crap up, one employee can be heard saying, while the others said, yeah, hell yeah, F you. 
Now, the heating and air conditioning and refrigeration company said in a statement that the move is in response to continued market and regulatory pressure. The continued migration of the HVAC industry to Mexico, including our suppliers and competitors, and ongoing cost and pricing pressures driven in part by new regulatory requirements. And uh, now the mayor of Indianapolis, Joe Hogsett, said the announcement came with no warning. This came. Bam! But you know, ladies and gentlemen, the inside the Beltway cartel, you can lay this all at their feet. They are the cause of all this. They have sold America. They have sold the American workers down the tube with their over-the-top corporation taxes driving our companies out of the U.S. and abandoning the American worker for cheap third world-class labor and getting away from all these EPA and all these other damn regulations that the almighty government is leveling on our corporations. But these people have got to move south of the border to get out from underneath the the heavy-handed and the heavy boot of the federal government. Now, I need not remind most of you we live under a capitalist society since day one. Not a socialist or communist society, a capitalist society. We have to earn our way. That is how it has always been since the beginning. Our government has thrown that all out the window in favor of a socialist or a communist type government. They have thrown the American people under the bus. Hell, they've thrown us off the bus into the ditch. Along comes a capitalist, Donald Trump. And he is the only one that has spoken on this and the only one, this issue with the, with the carrier corporation, and the only one that stands with the American worker the American family. All of you who support the political cartel, you are just as bad as they are. You have been brainwashed into thinking only those losers in Washington, D.C. can fix this. Hell, they are the ones, ladies and gentlemen, that have caused it all. Anyone, I mean anyone, that is connected with D.C., senators, House of Representatives folks, political hacks, political elitists, mainstream media, they are all in bed together. And the rest of the country, Mr. and Mrs. Joe Sixpack, we're on the outside looking in, looking for a few crumbs here and there. Well, those days are finished. Those days are gone. We've got to elect an outsider. We can't afford to keep bowing at the altar of these elitists that have erected their ivory towers inside the beltway. The political cartel used to be known as Congress. They they have sold us out for decades. And we have finally, as a nation collectively, awakened to that fact. It's taken a long time to shake the American people up. It's taken a long time for us to get back in the driver's seat. It's taken a long time for the American people to say, what the hell is going on here? I have to admit it long and down the road for many, many years, 
people thought they were doing their duty by going into the voting booth and voting strictly Democrat, strictly, strictly Republican, and those fat cats, and some of them have been in office 25, 30, 35 years. Look at John McCain. And they've done nothing but destroy this country. All along lying to us. All along sending people off to war to fight their damn wars that they get us in. I was one of those people that got shoved into a war in Vietnam. Along with millions of my mother, other brothers and sisters. And then we were dumped on the streets of the United States when we come back. And nobody gave a crap at all about us. And look at the veterans today. Young and old. Nobody gives a crap about them. Stick a bumper sticker on your back of your car and say, I support the troops, and that's as far as it goes. The VA craps on us. The federal government craps on us. But now they're crapping on everybody. It has been exposed. They've been doing it for decades. And all these corporations that are leaving the United States of America is because of what the federal government has done to them. They have destroyed or trying to destroy capitalism in America. One world order? I don't know. Elitist, international elitist? Probably so. They're all in bed together, ladies and gentlemen. It's we the people against the world. And that war, that political war, starts on the home front, and the enemy lives in Washington, D.C. And they're, like I said, little ivory towers. It's time, America, that we take a good look at ourselves in the mirror. And it's a time we take a look at ourselves in the mirror when it comes to our country. It's no, the, the, the days are gone when we can run down the road on autopilot. Those days are finished. Putting this country on autopilot and turning it over to those pigs that live in D.C. has ruined this country. We have brainwashed our children. The, the Democrat Communist Party, with the help of the Republican elitists, have built a public school system that is nothing more than indoctrination clinics set up to brainwash our children in not understanding anything about their country, anything about our history, and taking all of that out of them, ripping any morals that they had that were taught at home out of them, taking God out of our schools, out of our nation, and look what it's got us. It's got us in deep kimchi. We're in big trouble. That's why I say the nomination of an outsider on the Republican side to run against one of the two communist comrades on the, Dem on the Democrat Communist Party side. It's imperative that we get this right. It's imperative that we don't continue down the same old damn road of getting somebody out of the cartel inside the beltway and putting them up there to run. It'll be business as usual. And I'll say it again. You can take the senators out of Washington, D.C., but you can't take Washington, D.C. out of the senators. Think about it. We'll be back after a few short messages. Hey, this is Gary Gatehouse, and you're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show on FreedomInAmericaRadio.com. Tune in Monday through Friday.
You gotta take care of Texas, it's the only one we got If you're way up in Lubbock or down in Lucumbach You gotta conserve water, keep the air clean Take care of Texas, don't you know what I mean, y'all? Kevin Fowler here, Texans take great pride in keeping our air clean Visit TakeCareOfTexas.org and take the pledge to help keep it that way We'll send you a free Texas State Park Guide You gotta take care of Texas, it's the only one we got Sponsored by the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality you're home. You served your country with honor. Now it's time to strike out on a new path forward. You're a veteran. You set the standard for character, integrity, leadership. And you've gained valuable skills. Skills employers are looking for. At jobcenter.usa.gov, you can get access to personalized services and the support you need to find the perfect career. This is U.S. Navy and Marine Corps veteran Montel Williams saying, visit an American Job Center today and discover your next opportunity of a lifetime. Well, looky here, a new listener. Hey, this ain't your little sister's radio station. This is Gary Gatehouse. Make sure you tune in to Restoration Radio International weekends to listen to the Gary Gatehouse radio shows back-to-back. Wow! Now, welcome back. You know, that old Bill Clinton, have you noticed him lately? He looks like he's got AIDS or something, man. He is all drawn up and frail looking and old Hillary the only time she has him around is when she needs him to I guess boost up the base and she'll bring him in there to say a few words like an old bubba you know and she gives him a big hug and he stands behind her and nods his head like a bobblehead and and she gets up over their eyes bugged out screaming and yelling trying to imitate Gary Gatehouse I guess but he looks bad man I mean, he looks like death warmed over. He looks like a a cadaver with a suit on. But, you know, he was up in uh, Memphis, Tennessee here a few days ago. And, you know, I guess black lives matter to Bill Clinton because he said that we all come from Africa. So how in the hell can anyone of any race, white, black, green, or yellow, be against blacks? We're all blacks. Black lives matter and holds no water anymore. Bill Clinton says we're all black. At some percentage or another. So hell. What's the deal Black Lives Matter? We all matter, right? But you know Bill Clinton. He still wants to be known as America's first black president. You remember? When he became president. And all the media were just just clamoring for new ways. And new things to promote the Bubba from Arkansas. And banjo ass that came with him. Hillary Clinton. And they were all saying. Well he's the first black president. Because he stands with the black people. Even the NAACP said he's the black president, the first black president. But you know the former president downplayed uh, uh, Barack Hussein Obama Jr., the silver-tongued devil from the south side of Chicago. Old Bill Clinton downplayed him as a historic president, telling a Memphis crowd Friday, everyone has African ancestry. Everyone! Unless your ancestries... Ancestors, every one of you are a hundred percent, a hundred percent from sub-Sahara Africa. We are all mixed race people, he said, according to reports. Really, Bubba? We're all mixed race? You sure that, Bubba? You don't look mixed race. You're as white as a piece of toilet paper, Bubba. But you know, he goes on and he credited Obama for doing a better job than he has gotten credit for, but chided the current president for doing little to end Washington's gridlock. 
He went on to say, a lot of people say you don't understand. It's rigged now, he said. It's rigged, Clinton said. Yeah, it's rigged now because you don't have a president that's a change maker. Hey, Bubba, Obama ran on change. He said he was going to fundamentally change America, and he does. And he has, Bubba. So, Clinton, you got to wake up. One of your comrades has done what he said he's going to do. He done what you couldn't do. He's on the way of destroying America. But when you talk about a Democrat communist standing up there and saying everything's rigged, patriots, did you by chance have a look at the rigged Democrat communist election in New Hampshire? Did you? Did you pay any attention to it? I reckon you probably didn't because it really don't mean much to us people on the conservative side, but I did. I did it for you. I paid attention to what went down in New Hampshire. Hillary lost her ass to fellow comrade Bernie Sanders, but still came out ahead of him for delegates. How did that happen? Way ahead of him. But Bubba, Bubba Clinton, you communists sure do know how to spin things. He went on to praise Hillary, his wife, his estranged wife, for being the best change maker I've ever known. What do you mean by that, Bill? What has she changed? Changed the beds? Changed the sheets? Changed your depends? What, Bill? She's always making something good happen, he added. In what perspective, Bill? And define good. Bill Clinton has hit the campaign trail in recent months to boost his spouses. His spouses? They don't even live in the same state. <laughs> but he said he's boosting his spouse's presidential prospects as the primary season rolls onward. She has referred to him as her secret weapon. But Democrat observers fret that his remarks and past scandals could become a liability. Could become. They are. They are. And Hillary calls him her secret weapon. She drags him out of the closet every time her ass is in trouble. Hell, they don't even spend time together anymore. He is chasing skirts, and so is she. We'll be right back. clean up your room, the Board of Health is going to condemn it. The Board of Health doesn't even know about your room. What's more, they don't care. You know, if you keep making that face, it's going to freeze that way. Not unless you're someplace really, really cold. Actually, a lot of the warnings moms hand out are a bit exaggerated. If you don't get your blood pressure checked, you could have high blood pressure, not even know it, and you could die from a stroke. But she's right about that one. Fact is, high blood pressure contributes to 200,000 American deaths each year. And a third of those who have high blood pressure don't know it. If they did, it'd be simple to treat. Call the American Heart Association at 1-800-AHA-USA-1 or visit AmericanHeart.org on the web to learn more. Better still, ask your doctor to check your blood pressure. If you run with those scissors... It's the least you can do. 
Folks, why won't we go to the doctor? My uncle called, speech all slurred, complaining his arms numb. He called everyone. He even called my daughter, Tierra, because, you know, she's got a year of nursing. <laughs> everyone thinks he needs to go to the doctor, including me. So he said, well, will you take me? I'm like, I'm on the road. He goes, I'll wait. <laughs> Stroke's no joke. Dial 911. Time loss is brain loss. Seriously, dial 911. Visit strokesnojoke.org, brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. All right, taking us up to the hourly news, a little bit of music, Southern Nights, how about it? Oh yeah, every night. I'd like to give a shout-out to all my Southerners out there, all you folks over in Nacogdoches, Texas. I hope you had a, a good weekend. I know you did. You never you never stop partying over there, do you? <laughs> all you folks up here in Dallas-Fort Worth, over you folks oh, way over there in El Paso and San Angelo, down on the coast in Corpus Christi, over there in Galveston and Houston, and all you folks hanging around on the Louisiana border, Gambling your life away. I hope you had a great weekend. I hope you're having a great Monday in God's big, beautiful world. Whatever you're up to today, stay safe, stay legal. And all you folks up there in Canada, up there in the icebox, big salute goes up to you. I don't know how you do it. Living up there when it's cold 70% of the time. Oh! 80 degrees down here today, man. I think I'll go to the beach again. Feels so good. Feels so good. Hey, I fired up my old hot rod this weekend. Dusted her off, took her for a ride. Still got it. She still got it, man. Two big black stripes as far as you could see down the old county roads. <laughs> Still eats that gas. Wow. 98 cents a gallon. Who's complaining? Are you folks up there on Twitter? I hope you're having a great day just pounding that keyboard. Putting up all those fantastic postings and all those sly, snide comments. Keep it up. Keep it up. And don't forget, Trump's the man. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we're coming up on the hour. And that means one thing. That means top of the hour news. We come back the second hour. We're going to have a lot of things going on for a Monday. A blue Monday when everybody has to go back to work to the salt mines. It's a blue Monday. Everybody knows that. But there's some bright spots. There's some bright, shiny linings in the sky. And we know that we only got today. And then we got tomorrow, Tuesday. And then we got a break, Wednesday, hump day. And then we just work, oh, I don't know, a couple more days. And we're right back into Friday and back into the weekend. 
That's a one way of looking at it, right? I mean, you know, you got to look at it in a positive. There's only like a, what? I don't know how many hours between now and the time you hit the barbecue pit or you hit the road again or go to a drag race or go out to the movies or whatever for the weekend. Weekends are what's happening. What's in between? Well, you got Wednesday. You can kind of let your hair down on Wednesday. But everything else, that's just a matter of going to work, doing your job, making sure you do it right, do it do it the first time right, and then get the hell out of there on Friday and get back into the groove, you know, man. <laughs> I had some people I was talking to over the weekend, and they were telling me, they said they, they all own their own business, and they said, you know, we are working double time now just to keep our businesses running, and we really work, look forward to the weekends, what we get out of the weekends. One guy was saying he was doing all his inventory uh, over the weekend, and he just wouldn't have a weekend. So his wife and his kids are going to bring the barbecue pit out to the business in the parking lot, and they're going to barbecue out there. I said, man, I tell you what. His name's Mike. I said, Mike, that is a fantastic idea. Get your family down there. Maybe they can help you with the inventory. He said, no, I don't want them touching the inventory. I'll, I'll, get, I'll take care of that. They can just do the barbecue. Yeah, I said, I hear you, man. But anyway, you know, these guys that run their businesses, these mom-and-pop stores. Now, this guy's got a pretty good-sized business. He does a lot of stuff with, uh, uh, the reason I know him is because he handles a lot of aftermarket parts for uh, cars, race cars, street street machines, that kind of thing. And I've got to become very good friends with him. And I go down visiting him every chance I get, And but he does work his tail off. Private business, small business owner, folks, you got to appreciate those guys and gals. They work their tails off whether you know it or not. But getting back to America and where we're at today, when we come back to the second half, we got a lot of things to talk about. I want to visit the fact that the Congress has laid at our feet murderers, rapists, people who go in and murder people carte blanche, and they've led them across our border. And Donald Trump is the only man that has brought up illegal aliens into the whole realm of things when it comes to debating for the uh, position, I guess, to run on the Republican side of the House for the for the uh, White House, he's the only one. If he hadn't have brought it up, it never would have brought up been brought up. Because you see, those two senators are both guilty of supporting amnesty. They'll tell you they're not, but they're lying through their damn teeth, and that's the way it is. I'll say it again before we go to break. You can take the senators out of Washington D.C. But you can't take Washington, D.C., District of Corruption, out of the senators. You see it every day when they're on the stump. You hear it every day when they open their mouth. That's why I, Gary Gatehouse, support the two outsiders, Mr. Donald Trump and Mr. Ben Carson. That's it. I used to be kind of in uh, Ted Cruz's uh, side of the uh, thing as well, but... After I've looked at him a little bit more and listened to some of the stuff he said, he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. You talk about somebody that talks out of both sides of the mouth, his mouth, him, Rubio, Jeb Bush, and Kasich all talk out of both sides of their mouth. Can't trust him, man. You just can't. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Monday edition of the Getting After Lefty Show coming to you from South Texas on the GAL Network, Restoration Radio International out of United Kingdom, Dogs of War Radio, United Kingdom, 
freedominamericaradio.com, freedominamerica.us, and Reboot Liberty Radio out of Arizona. And we'll be back after the five-minute news. You are listening to the Gary Gatos Radio Show. Gary will be back after the Fox 5-Minute News break. Radio. I'm Lisa Lissera. The death of conservative Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia setting up a political battle for his replacement. The stage is now set for another huge fight between the White House and the Republican-controlled Congress. Last night, the president issued a statement about the death of Justice Scalia, saying that he was a brilliant legal mind and a larger-than-life presence on the bench. Obviously, today is a time to remember Justice Scalia's legacy. I plan to fulfill my constitutional responsibilities to nominate a successor in due time. But even before those remarks, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell signaled his intention not to take up any Obama nominee to the high court. Fox's Doug McElway, the White House. Scalia died yesterday of natural causes while on a hunting trip in Texas. Less than a week until the South Carolina primary, the Republican candidates are duking it out with Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz trading barbs. Fox's Gernal Scott has this live. Lisa, the two first-term senators didn't hold back on criticism of each other. Ted Cruz on ABC's This Week cautioned South Carolinians to make a careful decision. This is a serious choice, and we are talking about losing our basic liberties if we get this wrong. Rubio accused Cruz on CBS Face the Nation of distorting his policy stances. In the last couple of weeks, he has really exhibited this very troubling tendency to say things that just aren't true. I mean, just making things up. Cruz and Rubio are second and third, respectively, behind Donald Trump in recent South Carolina polls, Lisa. Granal, record cold in the Northeast, giving way to a winter storm coming in from the Tennessee Valley. We see a lot of Gulf moisture get in on this for tomorrow and overnight, and that could bring us the potential for freezing rain, ice, measurable snow, and also heavy rainfall as the temperatures start to rise. Fox meteorologist Janice Dean, you're listening to Fox News Radio, fair and balanced. Chris, can you put the video game controller down for a second? I can talk and play. Oh, I'm totally annihilating this punk kid in Nebraska. I just feel like you're not acting like a grown-up in our relationship. M2, M2. Well, you know, you still ride your skateboard to work. There's the comic book collection, the race car bed. Look, I'm young at heart, but I put money into my 401k every paycheck. I picked up a few savings tips at feedthepig.org. I have control over my financial life now, and that feels pretty grown up. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. For free ideas and easy tips on ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. So, I bet I look like a grown up to you now. Well, except for the footy pajamas, I'd have to agree. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. Italy putting pressure on Egypt over the still unexplained death of a student in Cairo. Italy warning Egypt that the country's close ties are on the line over the death of Giulio Reggiani, a 28-year-old student found tortured and murdered on a road outside Cairo in January. Italian Prime Minister Matteo Renzi saying friendship is only possible on the basis of truth. 
Rajani was researching independent trade unions, a sensitive subject in Egypt. There have been rumours he was abducted by the security services, allegations Egypt denies. Egyptian authorities had blamed his death on a road accident, but an autopsy in Italy revealed evidence of torture. In London, Simon Owen, Fox News. Authorities say more than 70 people were treated following yesterday's huge pileup on a central Pennsylvania interstate that killed three people. State police say the crash on Interstate 78 during a snow squall involved 64 vehicles. Markets in the U.S. closed tomorrow for the President's Day holiday, but there will be plenty of action on Wall Street later this week. China markets will reopen on Monday after being closed last week for the Lunar Chinese New Year. U.S. markets will be closed on Monday, of course, in observance of President's Day. And the minutes from the last Federal Reserve meeting out on Wednesday. Also this week, the discussion over who will replace Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia and the issues over the budget front and center. House Speaker Paul Ryan told me this weekend his goal is to get tax reform done in the first year of a new president. I think tax reform is probably the biggest piece of this. I also think regulatory reform, giving people smart regulations and regulatory certainty is a critical key to unlocking capital and, and job formation. I'm Maria Bartiromo, Fox News. Have a great week. At the box office this week, Weekend, Deadpool at number one, earning $135 million its opening weekend. Last weekend's number one, Kung Fu Panda, a distant second with $19.7 million. Lisa Lacerra, Fox News Radio. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Hello, welcome back to the second era of the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Monday edition, getting after lefty. You know, folks... Before the break, I was talking about what uh, we're going to be visiting this second hour. And one of the things we're going to be revisiting, and I've done it many times on my show, I guess is just to establish or reestablish the whole concept of what the government has done against the American people over the decades. And for a long time, like I said in the first half, we've been asleep at the wheel. We haven't really paid attention. But finally, we have come awake, I guess. We have awoken to understand and realize that the government has taken taken advantage of us, has abused us, abused us as Americans, fellow Americans, we the people. And uh, one of the things that I would like to get across to you folks today, patriots, a point that I would like to make, that everything the government seems to do today and has been doing for quite some time now goes against the grain, goes against we the people and what we stand for as Americans. Now, they will stand up there like Paul Ryan. I'll use him as an example. The Speaker of the House, the one that took over from crybaby John Boehner, Paul Ryan Boehner Jr., stood up there in front of the American people, we the people, and he told us that this budget was going to be the best deal he could get. And he and his boys in the Republican leadership and most of the Republican Party up there inside the Beltway, the District of Columbia, or the District of Corruption, as I like to call it, capitulated, bowed down, and kissed Obama's butt and gave him and the Communist Democrat Party every damn thing they wanted to a point where they actually thank Paul Ryan and the Republican Party for doing so. They rubbed the Republican Party face into it and the Republican Party, with their leadership, were so damn ignorant and stupid they didn't realize it. 
But you know, it wasn't a few weeks later that Paul Ryan was tweeting up on Twitter and up on the media saying that he was going to do everything he could to get us out of that budget because that budget was a bad deal. The same damn budget that him and his boys signed and didn't fight at all against. The very same one. Now he's up arguing against it. That's the way D.C. is, ladies and gentlemen. They screw us. And then they have ways laid out behind closed doors. Well, when that, you know what hits the fan, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to tell the American people. This is the way we're going to protect our backsides. CYA, if you will. You look around at the taxes, the corporate taxes, the income taxes, every damn thing that is laid at the feet of the American people, it comes from Washington, D.C. It doesn't come from Kansas City, Missouri. It doesn't come from Dallas. It doesn't come from Boise, Idaho. It doesn't come from Tampa Bay, Florida. It comes from Washington, D.C. The very people that we send to Washington, D.C. to represent us, when they get it, get up there, they get indoctrinated inside the beltway. They catch that inside the beltway political virus called that is given out, handed out, passed on by the political cartel, the elitists that has set up and erected those ivory towers up there. And they all turn against us. They look at us as the great unwashed that are just a bunch of dumb, stupid Toothless hillbillies that couldn't put two to two together, couldn't connect the dots, and by God, we're going to get over them as much as we can. Here's a headline. Digest this, if you will, America. Teens charged in gruesome killing entered the United States of America as children, as kids. Two Central American teens charged in recent execution-style killing of a Massachusetts man came to the United States as unaccompanied alien children, or UACs, under President Barack Hussein Obama Jr.'s open border free-for-all, and this is all according to Judicial Watch report. Two 17-year-old boys also have ties to the notorious MS-13 gang. This is according to the Boston Herald. Now, ladies and gentlemen, upward of 130,000 women and children from El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras have poured across the United States-Mexico border. Our back door to our house, America, they have come across that border. 130,000 women and children from El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras. They poured across the border since the summer of 2014. And the administration slash regime has distributed them into communities nationwide. Get this. They have distributed those illegals nationwide with the help of Catholic, Lutheran, Baptist, and various evangelical churches. Do-gooders. Sorry, I'm a Christian, but it only goes so far when you start screwing the people of the country you live in, regardless of what organization it is, church or otherwise, then I'm going to preach out against it. Now, it was reported by a new study by a Catholic organization found that nearly 80% of those coming from Honduras were not fleeing violence, but merely seeking economic opportunity. And what are those opportunities? The opportunities to come here, lay on their third world asses, and let the hard-working American people pay for these third world trashes, health care, education, benefits of all types, 
while trying to support our families as well. And the Obama administration and the regime and the Republican and the Democrat Party have given blessing to this. The Republicans, by not speaking out, and people like Ted Cruz and Rubio, who stand up there and voice their opinions and say we're going to give amnesty and stuff in days past, and then they stand up now and try to lie and say they never said it. That's just a typical tactic of a senator's coming out of D.C. Those are just typical tactics of CYA. Now, it was also reported last month that Barack Hussein Obama Jr. was reclassifying the next wave. Yes, there is another wave of Central American immigrants, illegals, as refugees. This will give them a legal status that makes them eligible for a host of government welfare programs. Do you understand what I'm saying? Those people sit behind closed doors up there in D.C. and they figure out everything they can to screw us, the American people. There isn't an honest politician in that city. They're all liars and robbers. And they will stand up there and lie to your face with a straight face, just like we've seen Saturday night. You know, folks, it's 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 uh, it's being be, it's deflating to think that we have a government that is supposed to be for we the people. After all, we elected them and sent them to D.C. and they turned their back on us. But you know, the Obama administration has for months been employing a catch and release strategy for Central American children and families who show up at our southern border. More than 50% of those caught and released have not reported for the deportation hearings as Obama says he will conduct. But it's not just Obama. We can't lay it all at Obama. He's the one that's instigating it. But the Republicans and the Democrats are not doing a damn thing about it. And not doing anything about it furthers Obama's cause. But you know, these guys that killed this man up in Massachusetts, they're still one of the large. He's still on the run. The Boston media now reports that 17-year-olds charged in this grisly January 2nd killing entered the United States as unaccompanied children and both have ties to MS-13. Like I said, that's according to the Boston Herald. MS-13 is one of the most ruthless gangs and there are thousands and thousands of them roaming, roaming the streets of California and East Coast and here in Texas. And they run drugs. They do assassinations. They cut people's heads off. They are the most ruthless. They might as well be called ISIS. And the guy that's still on the loose is also wanted in the case, but remains on the loose, like I said, and considered very dangerous and armed. Now, the two teenage boys charged reside in Everett, one of the uh, Christian U.S. Flores. He migrated to Massachusetts from his native El Salvador in the summer of 2014, which is in was in great influx of Central American miners, you know, when they were coming across the border in the thousands. And Obama was picking them up in buses and putting them on planes and flying them out to all different cities in the United States, Massachusetts, the state of Massachusetts, Boston, everywhere. And we're seeing now where we are reaping what we sowed. The government is, but the American people are the ones that are suffering from it. 
Do you think Obama has to worry about any of this? Do you think about any of those people up there inside the Beltway has to worry about any of this? Hell no. They have their bar, they have their damn uh, people who protect them. They have their bodyguards. It's we the people whose asses are hanging out to dry. Now the teen's parents, the guys that killed this guy, they still remain in El Salvador. The other suspect has been identified as Jose Vaquez Ardorn, who is also a recent arrival from Central America. Two baby-faced boys. Who would have ever thought that two little baby-faced boys, teenage boys, from south of the border would go up here and kill a man in a very grisly way? Well, they did. Members of MS-13. Like I said, some of the most ruthless, I-don't-give-a-damn people in the world. Now, they shot the, a 19-year-old in the head at point-blank range. Both have been pleaded have pleaded not guilty and are being held without bail. They needed the assistance of a Spanish interpreter during court proceedings. And who paid for that Spanish interpreter to uh, help two murderers out? The taxpayers did. But in a, a very chilling retelling, of 19-year-old Omar Rios' final moments, Assistant Middlesex District Attorney up in Massachusetts, Carrie Spiro, said Rios told his girlfriend he had a bad vibe about leaving his apartment and meeting up with these two suspected killers, but he feared he'd get a beat down if he didn't go. So he went. He went. And he was shot in the head on a bike path beneath the Tilston Street Bridge in Everett, Massachusetts. With a third suspect, like I said, still identified, still unidentified, and his whereabouts unaccompanied, they're out there, still out there looking for this guy. You know, ladies and gentlemen, that's this one little, that's this one little incident where somebody's life was snuffed out by individuals that shouldn't even be in our country, shouldn't even be in our country, and we got these guys going through the motions. They got we got uh, Senator Chuck Grassley from Iowa, the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and Representative Bob Goulet, Representative Virginia, chair of the House Judicial Committee. Why, by God, they want to know if the administration has knowledge about the suspect's gang attention and connections. Tell you what, Grassley, and I tell you what, Goulet, you're just as guilty as Obama. You people up there blow smoke up America's ass and you do nothing about it in reality. That's why I don't trust a damn thing any of you say. None of you. Nada. But you know what? If you look around, if you look around that, that is all, all that is going down in America that is impacting we the people negatively, you can lay every damn bit of it every damn bit of it at the feet of our congressmen and our senators and the president. Every damn bit of it. They're all song and dance men. All of them have at least one pony dog and trick show that they put on. And they parade themselves out in front of the television cameras and they appear, a lot of them, on Fox News and analysts analyze what they say and they analyze what that guy says. and It's all a bunch of crap. It's all a bunch of crap, ladies and gentlemen. And America has finally opened his eyes to it. Thank God to that. <laughs> 
You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show on freedominamerica.us. Tune in 24-7 to listen to Gary. You are listening to the sound of the heartbeat of an unborn baby just 28 days after conception. Every day, more than 3,000 abortions are performed in this country, and each abortion stops the heartbeat of a living unborn baby. Since 1973, the annual number of abortions has gone from approximately 750,000 a year to just under 1.3 million. Abortion isn't rare or safe, only legal. Legalized abortion on demand has taken the lives of more than 50 million unborn children and left those women who have had abortions more vulnerable to physical, mental, and emotional complications. We at National Right to Life are working to break this cycle. We are working for the day when both mother and child will be welcomed, loved, and protected. Won't you help us? This has been a Perspective on Life from National Right to Life. For more information, visit our website, nrlc.org. Next up, it's our voice with Ricky Rasmussen coming to exclusively on the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show all the way from South Africa. Hello again, this is Ricky with Our Voice, broadcasting from South Africa, and I am going to provide you with more information of the plights of South African citizens, and more specifically, white South African citizens. I am really grateful for the opportunity that Gary Gatehouse provided me with to share with you our voice. And yes, it is not a very good story to tell, but then we also have to deal with the negative things in life to have a better life. Now, nothing is so often irretrievably missed as a daily opportunity. And every day is an opportunity to make a new happy ending. Now, the purpose of this broadcast is to share our problems with the world in the hope that we may get help. But in that process, it's also important to realize that the best helping hand that you will ever receive is the one at the end of your own arm, according to Fred Denner. Even though we realize that we have to help ourselves, we cannot let go of the um, help that we may get from Europe and or the United States of America. We know that the ANC government came into power as a result of the help from Western countries, um, Europe and the United States of America and Asian countries, and African countries. Now we know that there's no African country that will help us in South Africa or 
helping the law-abiding citizens or the whites in South Africa or the minorities. So we will have to look at European countries and the United States of America. I also do not think that we will get any assistance from Asian countries. I dealt with the problems we have with President Jacob Zuma and unfortunately he never stops doing the wrong things. Because I dealt with the Nkanda problem the last time. There's the spy tape saga, the Marikana massacre and many other things and while we were still waiting for President Jacob Zuma to address the uh, opposition parties in Parliament um, about the spy tape saga and about Nkanla, we had another major incident in South Africa. Those of you keeping up with world news will know that I'm talking about the President al-Bashir incident. Bashir was indicted in 2009 by the ICC for alleged genocide and war crimes in Darfur. Approximately 400,000 people died in this conflict and 2.5 million people have been displaced. Now, last week, the African Union had its summit here in Johannesburg, South Africa, and President Al-Bashir was one of the honoured guests of President Zuma, taking into account that he tormented Sudan for 26 years and there is a warrant out for his arrest by the ICC. One cannot understand how our government welcomed this man as an honoured guest in South Africa. Justice Malala for the Guardian Africa Network said, Something much greater than just South Africa's reputation as a human rights leader on the African continent died on Monday. When Sudan's President Omar al-Bashir was allowed to escape the country in a private jet, in defiance of a domestic court order and international law, Nelson Mandela's democracy stood in solidarity with the big men of the African Union, who have declared the International Criminal Court a racist organization that targets Africans for trial. Now, there was an application to the High Court in Pretoria um, on Sunday. It was an urgent application um, before Judge Fabricius on the 14th of June 2015. And the judge ordered that the government should ensure that Bashir could not leave the country. The order was also served on all ports of exit, or supposed to be served. Now, I'm sure that the applicant did its work and saw to it that all ports were served with this order. Lo and behold, the Sudanese president was apparently escorted to Waterkloof Military Airport on Monday the 15th of June, where he took off at about quarter to twelve Monday morning. At this point in time, the court was still in sitting and hearing the application um, of the applicant, and counsel representing the government advocate Mukari said to the full bench, bench being the Judge President Malambu, Deputy Judge President Ladwaba and Judge Fabricius, that the government has no idea where Bashir is 
and whether he left or not. Now, I believe that was a total lie. After lunch, he informed the court that Bashir has left, whereupon the court made an order that the government must report back within seven days on the circumstances of Bashir's departure and defiance of a court order. Now, if one take into account that South Africa is a signatory to the Rome Statute through which the ICC was established, then one can't understand how they elected to side with African leaders or countries that criticize the ICC as targeting only African countries. The ANC said on Sunday, the ICC is no longer useful for the purposes for which it was intended, being a court of last resort for the prosecution of crimes against humanity. Now, one don't understand this because they, it is common knowledge that there are still a big problem with crimes against humanity in mostly African states. It is, however, clear that um, they only want justice when it is for themselves and not for others and or for citizens. Justice Malala continues to reflect on the conduct of government and state. The authorities have refused the Dalai Lama a visa to enter South Africa at the invitation of Archbishop Desmond Tutu and other Nobel laureates at least three times at the behest of China, with whom South Africa has signed a 10-year agreement pledging political mutual trust and strategic coordination. So our president has no problem to spurn a Nobel laureate and welcome a dictator. And one may say, throwing a blind eye and or assisting him to flee the country when the warrant, uh, when, when, when the government was ordered to arrest him on the ICC warrant. Justice Malala further said, Robert Mugabe accused of the murder of thousands of his own citizens in the 1980s and the torture of many more in the 2000s was wined and dined on a state visit here a few months ago. And South Africa defended Bashir since the ICC issued its first warrant for his arrest in 2009 under the guise of building ties with the African Union. The effect of the above is that the South African government has broken its own laws and acted in defiance of a court order. By protecting Bashir and allowing him to escape, our government has openly taken sides with Africa's tyrants and disregarded the human rights violations and rights of the victims. Our government placed themselves above the law and our constitution. In view of the fact that whites in South Africa are also not fully protected by our constitution, we are not really surprised that citizens of other African countries does not count. I can maybe understand the criticism of the ICC, but to ignore a high court order from our own judiciary or the government's judiciary
It is clear for anyone with two brain cells that we, whites and all minorities, and even citizens of South Africa does not, who does not vote for the ANC, have a serious problem as long as the ANC remains in control of South Africa. We need a miracle and definitely assistance from Europe in the USA. And I, I want to state that if we do not get help from Europe or the USA, they can also be regarded as siding with these tyrants who has only their own rights um, at heart and who doesn't care a dime for any of the citizens. Against this background, we can understand why we have so many problems in South Africa. We are faced with problems on all um, aspects of our lives. It is not only violent crime, but there's also corruption. There's the flagrant disregard of human rights, the flagrant disregard of the rule of law, incompetence, extremely, extremely high um, uh, problems with incompetence, looting of the state coffers, unemployment and poverty. And when one takes into account the unemployment and the poverty and one looks at the enormous amounts of money that are stolen or that are wasted on corrupt tendering processes or just um, due to incompetence, lost due to incompetence, then it makes you really sick. The high incidence of crime in South Africa is still also a very big problem. I read that the Institute for Economics and Peace, Global Peace Index, put South Africa among the lowest ranking countries worldwide in terms of peace, stability, homicide, societal safety, and a few other determining factors. Apparently, South Africa slipped 14 places on the global peace ranking from position 122 to position 136. Now, that is really a cause for concern. South Africa has the eighth highest murder rate. The international murder rate is 6 to 100,000 people. For South African citizens, it is 31 to 100,000. For South African police, it is 54 to 100,000. But for farmers in South Africa, it is 133 to 100,000. Now, if that is not a cause for concern, and apparently, well, it is not concern for our government, because they do nothing about it, um, then it is clear that we, as citizens of South Africa, will have to stand up, will have to keep on talking about this and um, share this information all over until somebody comes to our assistance. They have compared the murder statistics from 1995 to 1994, about 7,036 people have been murdered 
in a year. For the period 1994 to 2003, it was an average of 24,206 per year. That is three times more than pre-1994. The brutal murders on whites by blacks have soared in 2015 in comparison to 2001, April 2001, April 2002 and April 2003. In April 2001, five were killed on farms, two men and three women. In 2002, eight, four men and four women, of which two were an Indian couple. And in 2003, three were killed on farms and they were all three men. On the 22nd of April 2015, there were already 20 black-on-white murders. In May 2015, 22 whites were murdered by blacks. And since 1994, more than 85,000 whites were brutally attacked, slaughtered by blacks. In the past week, Thursday from um, Thursday the 11th of June 2015 to the 18th of June 2015, there were 10 farm attacks. Now, I'm not going to deal with each of those attacks. I just want to share three with you. In the Brits area, it is close to Pretoria, a 71-year-old male and a 40-year-old male was tortured and dragged around in the felt on their farm. Van Wyk, the younger man, was shot in the leg and the 71-year-old male was nearly killed when a sword was pushed down his throat. Now, isn't that absolutely horrendous? The old man said that he really does not want to live anymore, even though he survived this attack. An elderly man was hacked to death. Sorry, a, a woman, elderly woman, was hacked to death on a farm outside Pretoria where she lived on her own. This is a constant problem. Every day you look at the news or you look at Twitter or Facebook to see if there had been a murder or an attack again. And this is just the most um, violent crimes that I'm referring to. But it's only the tip of the iceberg. We don't hear about everything because every attack in a neighborhood, for instance, will not always come to our ears or eyes. I believe that if we have all the statistics, the entire ANC government can be charged before the ICC because they totally disregard the problem in South Africa. And I don't even want to begin to think how many black-on-black black attacks, murders, violent crimes there are. We've heard now in the past week of the terrible incident um, where Dylan Roof 
killed nine people, a 21-year-old white male who apparently is um, apparently admitted that he wanted to start a racial war. Now, he killed nine people, and every media the world over report about this incident. Now, people, I do not have a problem with the fact that they report this. But what about the 10 farm attacks in South Africa in one week? What about the 22 murders in one month? What about all the other attacks by black on white in South Africa in this year alone? Do we ever see the international media reporting about this? I don't think so. If you know of any, I will appreciate if you can forward it through to me. Another thing about these attacks on farms and in town is the fact that it's mostly aged people that are the victims. People of 75, 80, 67, 65, 60. It's hardly ever that you find that people below 40 is being attacked. It, it, one, one gets the impression that all our old people are targeted because they are soft targets. And that is really a sad, sad situation. I want to prepare a report on the, on the um, attacks by black on whites in South Africa to try and determine what the uh, reason for these attacks are and to see if there's, there's a, 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 it's clear in most instances that it is racially motivated. But there's also a big chance that it can be orchestrated by someone who can possibly gain from killing all the whites. Now then we're back to genocide. And it is therefore not so far-fetched to think that um, these attacks on our people are um, carefully planned um, by South Africans, or outsiders, or with the help of outsiders, we don't know. There's already been rumors that Zimbabwean citizens has been sent to assist with the killing of um, South African whites. Through Waboso, I have also asked farmers to um, consider the possibility of taking in um, homeless or um, unemployed whites on their farms. Firstly, to um, hike up the security, because if there are more people, it's less likely that an attacker will attack. And also to empower our people and to share the um, farmer skills with these unemployed people. Um, even our young people just finishing school can be helped in this way. So maybe any of you know a farmer who can help? 
please share the message. Or if you know of any white person who has been attacked by a black, also share the message so that I can get the information and which can enable me to compile this report and to help our unemployed and our homeless white people. I have said it before and I want to repeat it, please send me an email with your thoughts, with your suggestions or anything that you think which can help us here in South Africa. My email is Ricky R-I-E-K-I-E at Weboso, W-E-B-O-S-O dot org. Ricky at Weboso dot org. If you miss it, you can also look on Facebook for Weboso, W-E-B-O-S-O dot org, and you will find all my details there. Thank you, folks, for listening in. And enjoy your day. Thank you, Ricky. And you can listen to Our Voice with Ricky Rasmussen exclusively on the Gary Gatehouse radio show, coming to you all the way from South Africa. Stay tuned weekdays to have a listen to what Ricky has to say. You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Well, thank you, darling. And you are indeed listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Monday edition of Getting After Lefty coming to you all the way from South Texas. Patriots, how many of you out there have heard of a guy named Louis Farrakhan? How many of you people out there that have paid attention to what's going down in America really really paid any attention at all to this guy named Louis Farrakhan. Now, he is supposedly the, I guess, the Ayatollah, the Iman, whatever you want to call him, of the black Muslim movement here in the United States. Rush Limbaugh, a long time ago, gave him the nickname, the handle, the brand of Calypso Louis, Louis Farrakhan, a preacher of hater, of hate against the American population here in America, and one who furthers the cause of Islamic... Uh, worship whatever here in America, he's attracted many blacks to his cause and become Muslims and practicing, I guess, out of the Koran and practicing the religions, the so-called religion of Islam. Well, here recently, old Calypso Louis, Louis Farrakhan, paid a little visit to Iran to do a little ass-kissing with his Muslim brothers and sisters. And while there, he did a little slamming of America as well. Now, during his visit... For celebrations marking the 37th anniversary of the rise to power of the Ayatollahs, Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan has hailed the wonderful revolution and said Iran was emerging from sanctions stronger and more influential. This man criticized America while he was in Iran, saying African Americans have lived under tyranny from the days of slavery until the present time. Now, Mr. Louis, Louis, uh, where do you get this from? You have a black president sitting in the White House. You have a black president that everyone was fawning over as the new savior of the black community in the United States of America. Your boy, your man, your savior, Barack Hussein Obama Jr., 
half black, half white, but he prefers to be a black man, so that's what we all call him. Barack Hussein Obama Jr. was going to be you all savior. And now you go to Iran and you say that American African Americans are have lived under tyranny from the days of slavery until present time? What do you mean by that, Mr. Louie? What do you mean? Black people today, I have to admit, are still walking in the shadow of the Democrat Party. Black people today, as a race of people and as a community, still buy into the Democrat Party, the people, the very people that are keeping them on the welfare plantation. And you're over there saying that they are the black people here in America are still under the days, still suffering from tyranny, where is that tyranny coming from? Is it coming from Mr. and Mrs. White Man Joe Sixpack? Or is it coming from the White House? The very guy that you said and you thought as a part of the black community that was going to bail out the black people of America and save them from all the tyranny, I guess, that us white folks and Asian Hispanics are laying at your feet. Is that right? Is that what you're saying, Mr. Uh, Louis Farrakhan? You know, ladies and gentlemen, all you black folks out there, and I know a lot of you, I, deal, I talk with you a lot on the Internet, and I have some very close friends. I've never met them face-to-face, -face, but we've become friends over the Internet, black folks. And I don't look at them as black folks. I look at them as Americans. And some of them, most of them, are successful in their own right when it comes to the whole scheme of things here in America. Very successful. As a white guy, I don't have a damn bit of problem with that. And I think all the black people that listen to my show understand where Gary Gay's house comes from when we talk about race relations. To me, I don't think there is any race relations. They're just people. American people. Black, white, green, or yellow. I don't give a damn. But you get guys like Farrakhan who like to stir the pot. You get guys like Al Sharpton who love to stir the pot. And you get a guy at the top in the White House who loves to stir the pot and, ra and pit one race against the other, constantly stirring up problems and trouble. And then you get this guy Farrakhan. He goes to Iran to criticize the country he lives in. Now, he was due to take part in a public rally in Tehran this last Thursday, along with Iranian President Hassan Rarouni, Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, oldest force chair, uh, chief, uh, Major General Hassan Salamani, and other leaders. But beforehand, beforehand, when he was out there praying with all these guys, he spoke to Iranian reporters after meeting with Ali Akbar Vidlante, Foreign uh, Affairs Advisor to Supreme Court, Supreme Leader, Supreme Court Leader, Supreme Leader Alatoli Al Khamenei. Since that 1979 Islamic Revolution, Brothers Velati explained the stages that this great nation has undergone in establishing that wonderful revolution. Farrakhan said he's talking about the Iranian Revolution. I would hope that this that at this stage. A later stage, we're 
you are now coming to or out of under sanctions, sanctions that were designed by the West to destroy the revolutionary spirit of the Iranian people and to cause the Iranian people to rise up against their government, he continued. But thanks to Allah, this is Farrakhan talking, but thanks to Allah, the people of Iran stood firmly with their leadership. And the, the sanctions only caused Iran to look deep within themselves. And now those sanctions are being lifted. But Iran is stronger. Iran is wiser. Iran is more influential. He's talking about the sanctions that Obama has lifted. An Iranian reporter asked Farrakhan through a translator why the United States criticizes other nations for human rights abuses when human rights are not well observed at home in America. Farrakhan replied, they hide behind noble words, but the human rights record in America is dismal. Is dismal, he replied. We have been in America for 460 years. We did not come on the Mayflower or the Columbus ships Nina Pinta and Santa Maria. We came in the holds of ships as slaves, and we had lived under tyranny from that day to this day, Farrakhan said. Now, you black folks out there that have common sense, do you still consider yourselves slaves? You folks that live and are making a good living, do you still think that you're operating under a slavery-driven government? Do you, really? And oh, you folks that live in the ghettos that have been promised constantly every two, every four years, by your Democrat, your so beloved Democrat leadership, that they're going to give you out, get you out of the ghetto and deliver you onto the mainstream of America. How is it you still buy into those lies? How is it that you still buy into people like Farrakhan, who speak out against the very government, the very people that you live with, rubbing shoulders with every day, the rest of us Americans? How can you buy into it? Look around you, you folks that live in the ghetto. Look around you, all you black folks and teenagers that don't have jobs. Look around you and listen to who the people are that have promised to deliver you from all that and have yet done it. But yet you still gravitate to those people to vote for them, the likes of Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. Does the black community consider itself communist? Does the black community consider itself socialist? Does the black community even consider itself Christian anymore? Where are all your black leaders from your churches? Why aren't they educating you, the congregations of black folks that attend those churches every Sunday? Why is it that your congregational leaders... Your preachers, why aren't they educating you to the fact that your people have been promised from for decades of promises made to you by the Democrat Party and yet they have yet to be delivered? Why aren't these brought up from the pulpit to you, the congregations? I know many of you black folks attend church regularly, religiously, every Sunday, every Wednesday for Bible study, etc., why isn't this being spoken about? It's a big mystery to me. But yet you have somebody like Louis Farrakhan 
that gets on a plane. He's an American living under the American Constitution and freedom of speech, etc. He gets on a plane and flies to Iran halfway around the world to speak out against his very country, demean it and besmirch it, and always crying racism. Unbelievable. He talks about the native people, the Indians, and how they've lost 120 million people under human rights violations. So many, so America needs to be straightened up inside before she tells anyone outside about their violations of human rights. So Farrakhan speaks to the Iranian people. Let me ask you something, Mr. Farrakhan. Anytime there's any kind of a problem in the world, a natural catastrophe, something goes wrong in a country where people are being overran by hate-filled people such as ISIS, who is always Johnny on the spot? It's America. It's America, and it's black Americans, white Americans, Hispanics, Asians. We're all Americans. We are there. If we're not there physically, we are there with our dollars, with our treasure, to help those people out. Yet you say that we are violating human rights? We're the only bright spot in the whole world that stands for human rights. You know, folks, when you have a preacher of the Muslim religion like Louis Farrakhan that goes to another country and preaches against the country that affords him all the freedoms to, to travel, to go to other countries and preach against his own country without having to suffer any repercussions. What does that tell you? Do you know of any other country that allows this? Do you know of any other country, especially a socialist, Marxist, communist country? Do you know of any country that would allow this? No. Because they know when they come back to that country... They're in deep trouble. They're in deep trouble. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, there's a, there's a big movement in this country. And it's all based on lies. It's all based on hate. It's all based on keeping people riled up and pitting one group against another, one party against another, one race against another. And it keeps things in constant turmoil in the United States. And that's what the political elite in D.C. love. They love that. They can come out as champions of whatever group at the time and switch parties and, and switch uh, gears right in the middle of it and go stand for somebody else. It's all a bunch of B.S. It's all a bunch of lies that America is being fed, spoon-fed every day by the mainstream media. And like I said before, and I'll end my show with this. There's one person out there. There's one person. Well, two. There's two people. Mr. Donald Trump and Mr. Ben Carson. They're the only two people that are on the outside looking in. Mr. Donald Trump cannot be influenced by somebody else's money and dollars. Their ideologies cannot be injected into Donald Trump's psyche by the very fact that they donated millions of dollars to propel him into the White House. It's not happening. 
what old Donald Trump is doing, he's paying for himself. He doesn't owe his allegiance to any corporation, any political party, any group of people. He owes his allegiance, like he said many times, to the American people. And he has said publicly, that's who I will fight for. That's who I will work for. With no outside influences. Can you imagine a lobbyist coming into the White House with Donald Trump sitting there? And telling them, look, we're, we're going to give you some money to further your cause. And all we want you to do is make sure the pharmaceuticals or make sure this program or that program is put up front of consideration. That's all we want. Here's your money. Donald Trump, I don't need your damn money. I've got enough. I'm here for the people. I'm the people's president. Get the hell out of my office. Can you imagine him going to Congress? And Congress looks at him and says, Well, we can't buy him. What can we do to influence him? What can we give him? What can we offer him? Donald Trump, you can't give me a damn thing. You can't offer me nothing. I have everything I want. What I want is for you to stand tall and stand with me and let's get this damn country under way again and out of the ditch. Let's get this country back to where it should be. Let's make America great again. That's what Donald Trump would say to him. I'm basing this all on his uh, past statements, etc. And where he wants to go in all this thing called... Uh, debates and races for the nomination. He's the outside guy looking in. So is Mr. Carson to a lesser extent. You know, folks, it's time that we Americans take a real good look at ourselves. It's time that we kind of sit back and have a visit with ourselves and maybe our family members and figure this all out. Understanding that we have been screwed and abused and used by the federal government, both political parties, for many, many decades now. And it has all finally come to a head in 2016. We the people have finally figured it out. That those people up in D.C., inside the Beltway, the political cartel, used to be called Congress, have been screwing us for years. And we can also see an individual, if we really pay attention, an individual, a populist, yes, who is standing for we the people. And he can't be bought. He can't be influenced by money. He can only be influenced by those who want to follow and get America back to moving up the ladder again, the success ladder, back to the point where we used to be at the top of that ladder. That's what Donald Trump brings to the table. That's what Donald Trump offers the American people. You look at the rest of them, the Cruises, Rubios, Kasichs, the Bushes, what do they offer? Same old crap. All wrapped up in a different package. That's all they offer us. They have no idea, no concept 
of what we the people out here in the heartland down south, up north, etc. How we suffer. How we are working daily to make ends meet. They just can't figure it out. And the Republican Party scratches its head. How can this be? Had the American people woke up? We're in big trouble, man. You can see it every day with their lackeys in the mainstream media. Running interference for them. Spinning lies into truth and spinning truth into lies. And they lay it all at the feet of Donald Trump and and Ben Carson. But most of us people who understand, we look at the polls and we see, just like the Dredge Report, Donald Trump's 30-some points ahead of his nearest rival, Ted Cruz. It's time, America. It's time we come out from underneath the rocks. And it's time we get this country back on the road again. And like I've said many times, we can do that by voting a guy that will do the bidding of the American people. He's already said that publicly. Mr. Donald Trump. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Monday edition of Getting After Lefty, and we will be back Wednesday with a new show, new commentary, and God knows what else. Until then, you all have a great day. God bless every one of you. God bless your children. God bless the military. And God bless the United States of America. Until Wednesday, this is Gary Gatehouse saying, Good day. <laughs>